what would it be really like if I could tell what you were actually thinking as you sit here in the service this morning? Or if you could tell what I was thinking? Thankfully, neither of us can. But the Lord does know what your heart is really like. He does see what you're thinking, what your motives are, or what your attitude is, why you are here today. Now it's good. You've come to join with us in worship, to hear the word preached. That's very good. But what is your underlying attitude and motive? What do you really think? Now we have an example of this at the end of John chapter 2 and then moving into John chapter 3, another example of this very situation. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ has begun his, his ministry. We have seen at the beginning of chapter 2, the wedding at Cana of Galilee, where he, he showed forth his power in the turning of the water into wine. And then moving through chapter 2, you see something of the word of God applied, the wrath of God against unrighteousness as the temple is cleansed of the money changers. And we come to verse 23 of chapter 2. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day many believed in his name. That sounds so good. You think about that. The Passover was the, the great time of the year when so many people, the, the most people of the year, went to Jerusalem from across the whole nation. The crowds were there. Jesus was performing miracles. People were being healed. He carried out multitudes of miracles that we have no record of. Amazing. And then these words that many, it doesn't say, of course, it doesn't say most, it certainly doesn't say all, but many, a large number, believed. That's wonderful, isn't it? Many believed. When they saw the miracles which he did. And that itself sounds a, a note of caution. Miracles, so exciting. Miracles make life much easier. We have another example in John chapter 6 when the Lord fed the great multitude by way of a miracle of multiplication. We'll look a little at something he said then in a moment. But verse 24 of chapter 2 but Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all. Jesus did not commit, did not believe in them. They seemed to acclaim his miracles and his, his power. 
he did not believe in them. He didn't see them as being true disciples. Because he knew all. And needed not that any should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. These words are so sobering. The Lord sees your heart. He knows what you're really thinking. What your real attitude is towards him, towards his truth. John chapter 6 and at the 26th verse. And here we find there's been this great and mighty miracle when they were fed. But when they came to him later, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because ye saw the miracles, but because ye did eat of the loaves, and were filled. Labour not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. You see, they had found the miracle of the feeding so wonderful because it made life easier for them. It added something extra to what they already had. It seemed to take away all the strain and difficulty of life. They had not looked at the person of Christ and thought about who he really was and what the miracles signified. They merely saw what it meant to make life easier for them. They enjoyed it. Isn't that a lesson to us that perhaps we enjoy certain aspects of the Christian faith, of coming to church, making our friends, singing the hymns, especially if we've been brought up with these things. Why are we here? What do we really think? It's very sobering. Lord Jesus did not commit himself under these people before it was mere outward momentary expression they liked what they were getting for today something exciting added to their lives you see these were stony ground hearers to refer to the parable of the sower. They seemed to, to spring up, but it wouldn't endure. They hadn't begun to grasp who Jesus really was and what he was doing and what he was really teaching and saying. The 
crowd in John chapter 6 all went away when he taught and spoke to them about his being the bread of life he even said to the disciples will ye go away also but they had grasped the truth thou hast the words of eternal life Jesus ministry the work of the church today the message of the gospel is not about making your life easy and better more fulfilled today just as you are it's not about cleaning you up on the outside and giving you a better experience it will be easy to fill this hall several times over if that was the business that we were really in. It's not the message that Jesus came with. His message is much, much more important, much more vital, much harder. So, we see a warning. Jesus sees your heart. And then we, we move into this encounter with Nicodemus at the start of chapter 3. When we look at Nicodemus, he was a man of the Pharisees. That, that word there was a man of the Pharisees that actually hidden in the Greek it, it's a connective phrase he had been part of this crowd who had believed he was responding to what Jesus had done and he came to the Lord Jesus a man of the Pharisees, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. So, Nicodemus, he goes a step much further than the general crowd. He actually came personally to Jesus. He came respectfully to Jesus. This term rabbi is a, is a term of high respect. Recognising him as a teacher. And he went even further than that. For he describes him here as a teacher come from God. That he couldn't do the miracles except, except God be with him. You might think he could hardly have a higher opinion of Jesus. Wouldn't Jesus be glad that such a person came to him with such words that accepted him, <coughs> lifted him up? Such an important man, a ruler of the Jews, a Pharisee, and they were very strict about their religion. 
They were very strict about their way of living. They held in high regard the word of the scriptures in so many ways. But no. Jesus did not believe in Nicodemus either. Jesus was not phased by these words of praise. He stopped Nicodemus in his tracks. Before Nicodemus could actually ask a question, Jesus answered the real question. He dealt with the real need that Nicodemus had. Verse 3. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You see, the Pharisees were very interested in the kingdom of God. They were hoping for Messiah to come to kick out the Roman occupiers and to restore glory to Jerusalem. Greater glory than there had been in the days of David and of Solomon. That the nation would once more be preeminent in the world. Jesus says, ye must be born again. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, you do not have what is necessary to be part of God's kingdom. You need to be born again. Nicodemus took this in a very literal sort of way. He was thinking of a, 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 even a baby can't be put back inside its mother. It's just physically impossible. He was being rather crashly literal. Lord Jesus was telling him that his problem was not outward, the Romans, the humiliation of the nation. And so forth. Now, his problem was internal. It was all about Nicodemus. He needed to be changed. He needed to be given life. Nicodemus found it very hard to grasp that fact. Nicodemus, being one of these Pharisees, the Pharisees were very proud of their observance of the law, tithing even the very smallest things. The Apostle Paul tells us all about how proud he was as a Pharisee. In Philippians chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3, he says in verse 4, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, the Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. You see, the Apostle Paul had been a Pharisee. 
he had thought himself almost perfect. Certainly, in the major points of the moral law, he could read it down and he could say, well, I don't, I don't blaspheme. I don't take the name of the Lord in vain. I don't desecrate the Sabbath day. I keep it holy. Oh, fantastic ways. I don't lie. I don't commit adultery. And so many things. He, he could look at himself and, and, and see himself as being almost perfect. But that was his biggest problem. He had got it all wrong. Thinking that the law was come to was given to help us be perfect in ourselves and in our own strength. Verse 7 of Philippians 3 But what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ. Verse 9 there. And at the end of verse 8 it says that I might win Christ and be found in him not having mine own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith you see Nicodemus should have known that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness When Nicodemus saw the miracles, he was seeing something of God's glory revealed. What was Isaiah's response? In Isaiah chapter 6, when he had seen that great vision of the Lord and his glory, he said, woe is me. I am a man of unclean lips. He was overcome with a sense of his own sin. And that is how the people, that is how Nicodemus should have responded when they saw the miracles. Do we not read that later response? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. We need to come to that place of knowing that we have nothing to offer God. We have failed miserably and always will fail. It is utterly impossible that we could ever think of loving God with all our hearts and all our beings and our neighbour as ourselves. We can't. Why? Because we are dead spiritually. Adam was told that in the day that he would sin, he would die. And he did. You remember, he hid himself. He knew he was naked. He felt that sense of intense shame. It was only when the Lord came and called him 
And then the Lord provided a covering that animal's skin. And that animal had to die. Its blood had to be shed. And he received that covering. It was only a temporary covering. It looked forward and it foretold that the Lord Jesus Christ would come and make that final, full and complete atonement. Oh, we have had a warning. The Lord sees your heart. He knows all about you. Should be very sobering. We have heard the necessity of the new birth. Dear friends, in this chapter we see also the reason that Jesus came. He came to save sinners. So much in this chapter we, we can't we can't deal with it all. We have to press along. We see here that first of all it, it is important to notice Verse 10, Jesus answered Nicodemus and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. See, Nicodemus was a master, he was a teacher in Israel. He knew about what the Old Testament had to say. In the Old Testament was a witness. John the Baptist was a witness. Jesus himself was a witness. And Nicodemus and so many like him had had heard but not understood. There's always that danger. People in church very often are familiar with what scripture has to say. They've heard the gospel many times but have you understood? Have you applied it to yourself? He must be born again. And then the Lord Jesus takes things further. He says, if I've told you earthly things, which is undoubtedly a reference to the fact that they needed to be born again, they needed that work of the Holy Spirit to give them new life, it should be obvious if you only look at your own heart, your own life, and see your own sin, your own inability to keep God's law. That's an earthly sort of thing. You know you fall short, far short of anybody's standard of right and wrong. But definitely of God's standard. If I've told you earthly things and you believe God, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. You see, Jesus here is, is laying down his credentials 
He can talk to Nicodemus about God's plan of salvation, God's eternal decree, because he was in heaven. He is setting forth his own divinity. And he can so clearly tell Nicodemus what is necessary, what is vital to enter God's kingdom. Then these great verses. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. A scene that would have been very familiar to Nicodemus as an expert on the scriptures. That brazen serpent was put on a pole and held up before the people. The people who were under the judgment of God because of their sin. The people who were dying from the snake bites. You see, they needed to see the Lord Jesus Christ as he who had come to be lifted up to be to die. Isaiah 53 contains those great words of prophecy. It's well worth taking time to read it. That he, the servant of Jehovah, would be wounded for our transgressions. The Lord Jesus moved further here and he says, Verse 15, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is God's plan of salvation. This is God's eternal decree of how hopeless lost sinners like you and me could be lifted up, changed, given new life and enter his kingdom. <coughs> Do you see Jesus as the Savior? <coughs> given to die in your place at Calvary. <coughs> oh, I pray that you will not merely see Jesus as someone to give you something extra in your life, but rather the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. What wondrous love is this, that he who knew no sin would be made sin for us. And so, we have seen something of how the Lord knows your heart. He knows all. 
We have seen that you must be born again. And we have seen that God has provided the Savior. Jesus was given to die. Oh, I do pray that you will call upon the name of the Lord. We have this little word. Whosoever, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Whosoever. Well, that excludes no class of people. It doesn't exclude anyone by age. No matter who your parents are. No matter what you've done. Whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Our final hymn today is 377. Sinners, Jesus will receive. Sound this word of grace to all. Through the heavenly pathway leave. All who linger. All who fall. 377.